Welcome to the Sunday morning service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained. Christians are encouraged and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us and may your hearts be blessed as God's word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Pastor Lauren Regeer. Amen. Thank you, Jessica, for reminding us that Christ is the treasure inside of us. He's put that treasure in clay vessels, that the power may be of Him and not of us. Take your Bibles this morning. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Disciplines of a godly life is what we're studying Sunday mornings, and we'll continue that theme a couple more weeks. Father, we pray that you'll direct our thoughts as we look into your word for a few minutes today. Thank you so much for the bride of Christ, uh, the love of your heart, and, and thank you that you're working in this world today to advance the church and you're building it by those coming to Christ and you're looking forward to the completion of the church surrounding you, the great marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. What a great plan you have and thank you that we're a part of that. We're grateful today and I pray the Lord that you will just bless our thoughts in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I know that many of you have grown up around church. How many of you grew up in a home like mine where there was a dad and perhaps maybe two parents that were um, just church attenders. You can never remember a time where you were not in church. Raise your hand. You're just a church baby, right? You were growing up in that situation. Most of you uh, like that. I see a picture behind me. Uh, I've entitled, of course, the message is more as for this cause, the discipline of just church attendance. God called my dad and mom. They were both Oklahomans from Oklahoma, of course, and they went to college in Nebraska. They found each other. They'd found the Lord before that, and they just had decided to give their lives to the cause of Christ and church planting in all places. The Amazon dad didn't know how to swim. He, uh, all his life, he never learned how to swim. Even on the Amazon, he would just carry a life preserver around his neck. It's one of these inflatable things. I've told you that story, but I'm the guy there on, what is that, the, your far right? I still haven't changed my hairstyle since I've been eight, um, but... We always, in our church and our family, when we got up in the morning on, uh, on Sunday, things were ready and arranged. Dad was, of course, a church lover, as, and he kind of passed on that love to us and the family. He would slick our hair back uh, on the mission field back in the ooh, 60s uh, with this red brill cream, I think it was, and there would just be red stuff dripping out of our slick back hair. Our little shoes were all polished and ready to go. We had our we had our um, our offering from our allowance already parsed out and ready to go. So we got up uh, Sunday morning. Dad would put on his favorite his favorite uh, singing group, uh, and that was uh, the Chuck Wagon Gang. I don't know if you any remember that. And on the mission field, those folks down there wondered what in the world is that. But uh, we we were ready to go to church with a spring in our step. Things were prepared every Sunday, Wednesday, whenever the church doors were open. In fact. Dad was there with his family, and that's the kind of background. Church was never optional. In fact, when we come back for furlough, I may have mentioned this, when I came back from furlough, I said, Dad, I want to play Little League. He said, that's fine, but we have to have a talk with your coach. I said, what about? He said, about church. And so we would. We'd sit down there. And we, he, he, I remember him having this talk with my Little League coach. He says, now, sir, this is my son, Lauren. He's a lousy baseball player, but he's going to be on your team. No, he didn't say that, but he said, every Wednesday night... And Sunday, without exception, that little boy is going to be in church, regardless of the schedule you keep. And 
The man thought, I'm sure his eyes popped wide open, what, what kind of fanatic would go to church midweek too? But that was this cause that drove my dad to the mission field and it really inspired his heart. The fact that God is building his church and he loved the church and his family ought to love the church because that's what God is doing today. Question, how much do you love what Christ gave his life for? The church. Well, we know that the church was established by the Lord Jesus Christ at Pentecost. In fact, Pentecost, in fact here in Ephesians chapter 3, we might ought to read the whole chapter. I rarely do this, but it's so, it's so helpful, informative to us about Paul and his love for the church, for this cause. Chapter 3 begins that way. I, Paul, the apostle, the prisoner, he is in jail. He says, I bow my knees. He will say that later, but he's in love with the church. We see that. If you have heard of the dispensation of the stewardship of the grace of God, which is given to me to you word. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm inaugurating, I'm letting you know about something very special that God is introducing to the world. It's the church. That how by revelation he made known unto me this mystery. You'll see that word mentioned a few times. As I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery. There it is again, of, the, of Christ. Speaking of the church here. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto us, excuse me, as holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This is a mystery hidden in the past, but is now revealed to us who are the apostles, the bedrock of the church, and we are revealing it to you. It's an exciting thing that the Lord has now brought to bear. And here's the truth that every one of us who are Gentiles should rejoice doubly in this fact that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, partakers of this promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power. I am the mouthpiece, the point man, for the news that God is including everyone in the call to be a part of the body of Christ, whosoever will may come, not just the Jew, unto me who am less than all the least of the saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all, there's an urgency, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, the church, which from the beginning of the world had been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Here's the intent, the purpose, that now, and this got a picture heaven now, angels in heaven, the principalities and the powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God, and they are in heaven looking down at this unfolding plan which is being presented, uh, of course, to the world by the apostles, Paul leading the charge that this is the church, the God's plan right now, the dispensation of the church, and God is introducing it, making it available uh, by the missionary mindset of those who are apostles, preaching the grace of God is now emanating from Jerusalem, Judea, to the world. The church is now launched. According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, although it was a mystery in the Old Testament, it's always been in the heart of God to include the bride of Christ, the church. Do you love the church? In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore I desire, desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. And let's finish up the chapter. 
For this cause, we see that phrase again, I bow my knees. Where is Paul? He's in jail. He's bowing his knees unto the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, he is so excited as he prays, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. That Christ might dwell no longer just in the tabernacle, but he might dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in his love for you, might be able to understand and comprehend with all the saints what is, here's this incomprehensible dimensions of grace, the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ, which has always included a love for the nations. It passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. It's available now to you in Christ. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, according to unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Church is where Paul's heart was, even though he was in prison. On the screen behind me, you see a picture of perhaps a similar jail to where Paul was. We know he spent some time in jail in Caesarea, also two years at least, incarcerated in Rome. And why is he there? Why is he scarred up? Why has he been beaten, maligned, cast into the, (laughs) the sea, shipwrecked, Why has he been nearly stoned to death, left for dead? It is because he loved the church. He's writing these epistles, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, from behind bars, and yet his heart is for establishing churches, which he would do. He would establish 30 before he would go home to be with the Lord because he knew that's what God was doing. Are you even aware of what God is doing and how he wants to use you to advance the cause of the church? We're talking about godly disciplines in your life. You've got to get on board to what God is doing. Regardless of what your job is or was or might be, God wants you to build the church. Help him to build the church. He's given you a gift for that great high calling. And Paul heart broke inside this little dingy place. I'm sure it wasn't even that well lit. His heart was burdened for the advancement, the instruction, the edification and outreach of the church. What did the early church meet to do by way of question? Can you remember what they, pretty simple, they met steadfastly, faithfully. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and beyond that they met daily from house to house. And here's what they did. They continued in the doctrine, understanding the word fellowship, breaking of bread. We would call it communion or even fellowship. We're going to do that next Sunday morning around breakfast. But in prayers, this was the calling of the church. Church isn't somewhere we go or do. It is someone that we are. It is the thing that's not a place or something we just a duty that we, it's, it's who we are. God has called us out of the world that we might maintain the light of the world. For this cause I'm in prison, he says, for this cause I bow by knee. For this cause my heart is literally bursting with the desire to see the church advance. I'm thankful. I sat beside Joe and Hallie uh, just a couple of weeks ago and 
you know, I've been to Chile just recently, and there's so many needy people there as there are here, but there's a desire in Joe's heart and Hallie's heart to advance the cause of the church. What in the world are you doing for Christ's sake? You say, well, I come. I give my tithe occasionally. I do my best to support the church. But are you excited about this godly discipline? He says in this chapter, I literally, he exclaims this, I I want all men to see, Jew, Gentile, black, white, bond, free, north, south, east, west, what God is doing through this revealed mystery, the church. He is building his church. What an exciting thing it will be. It, you know, you've got to think about this. At the end of the time when God is finally, and the last person gets saved in this dispensation of time called the time of grace or the time of the church. Can you imagine when According to Romans 11, we see, I think it's around verse 25, when the pleroma is the words used in the Greek. When the last person is saved in this dispensation of time and the body of Christ is complete and God calls us home. What a wonder that's going to be when we surround the throne, folks of every tongue, tribe, and nation. And we rejoice in the grace of God that's brought us to this place in glory. The church, the bride of Christ, will enjoy a marriage supper of the Lamb. And we will be united in a unique way. In fact, every human Christian marriage is a reflection of God's intense sacrifice and love for His church. And God loves the church. And so he, um, he, uh, he has mentioned time and time again as the church has launched the energy and enthusiasm of Paul, I press toward the mark, the prize, the high calling of Christ that we might offer this wonderful grace to all people. Who have you been inviting to church? Who have you been excited to tell about church? Who have you been loving on for Christ's sake? I remember Whitney when she was in college. In fact, this happened to Nathan as well. don't know if it happened to Ethan, but got a phone call from Whitney, and she said this, someone mysteriously has put money in our account, my account at school bill. And, and she said, Dad, is that, was that you? <laughs> and I said, no, it wasn't. But thank you for asking. She said, did you put someone up to that? And I said, no, honey. I said, it's a divine mystery. But I wouldn't worry about figuring it out. Just thank God for it. And here's Paul, he says, I, I don't understand God's, and the angels don't understand why God would enlarge this vision past the Jews to all the world. He's always loved all the world. In fact, the Jews were commissioned by God to dispel the message of God's grace, but they blew it and they became very selfish about it. And even in the Old Testament, God wanted them to be the template, the display, the tabernacle, the display of God's glory to the nations, but they hoarded the truth and excluded the Gentile. Uh, to the point that even in the courtyard of the temple and the tabernacle were signs that said, don't ever cross, if you're a Gentile, don't ever cross this line. If you do, you have no one to blame but yourself or your ensuing death. They hoarded the truth. They were exclusive about the truth. And God's heart has always been that the light go to the world. And he's going to use the church. He's using the church to do that. 
He's using you and me, dear friend, to be the light of the world. The only light there is, is coming from the church. It's what God is doing. Why is the church struggling? We might think of some excuses about church attendance. There's a growing distrust. You can see that for preachers who are really charlatans. Have you ever seen them on TV? Begging for money, promising things that God never promised. Uh, they're, they're just, some Christians are just really tired of, of hearing uh, from these preachers, the preachers like this, and all the time you come to church and it's all about giving to them, a little seed here, a little seed there, that you drop in their billfold and all of a sudden you're going to be this rich person because God is going to return upon you great, great gifts. No, I think that's a, a little bit disingenuous. And then we see there's this, um, uh, there's a growing disillusion in the culture today about the church itself. We We know that we're influenced by many who... Uh, who, who just simply are not telling the whole truth about the Word of God. They're not preaching, as Paul said, the whole counsel of truth. And what we call junk food theologians who are promising things that simply are not true. I don't know if you've noticed it. There's preachers that or churches that don't even expect you to bring a Bible. It's optional. <laughs> it's just an old book with old ideas. And there's all kinds of new techniques that we're seeing in the church that are extra-biblical, anti-biblical. It's all about the, the show that's put on. I've mentioned this many times over my tenure here, that we've got to be careful that churches are biblically-based, Bible-centered. It's about Jesus Christ. It's not about the show you put on. We often choose churches based on their musical styles. And, oh, listen, if you find a church where there's preaching and teaching from the book, love that place. Support it. Junk food theologians. There's an apathy that that creates because there's a disillusion. Especially our young people are going to these churches and going away hungry. They are. Because there's not spiritual food and there's not expositional teaching of the Word taught there. And so they're going cheap or going away hungry. And a lot of them are disillusioned. We are told that in the younger set of folks, ages 19 to 29... 25% of those folks claim no religious affiliation at all. Why? They simply have given up on going to church and going away empty. And that's the disillusion. There is the sense, too, about the church being really pushed to close because of a growing dissatisfaction. I don't get fed well, a growing deception. I don't know what to believe. There are so many churches around. I've been here, I hear one thing, I go there, I hear another thing. And the cults are on the rise, and it's uh, becoming one of the most popular cults, I call it, uh, is uh, Islam. It's the, since 9-11, uh, the Twin Towers, remember that? Certainly you do. It's amazing to know that Islam is the fastest growing religion in America, and it has been, we've been told that by the year 2040 that most urban centers, big cities, the main religion, the heart of the city will be Islam. The chairman of the Washington-based Council on American-Islamic Relations says this, America, excuse me, Islam isn't in America to be equal with other faiths, but to become dominant. The Quran should be the highest authority in America, and until Islam, of course, is the only accepted religion on earth. Make no mistake, the devil has no love for the church. And where the church of Christ is planted, the devil loves to plant 
his own chapel. One imam, Islam, a Muslim imam, said this, Thanks to your democratic laws, we will invade you. Thanks to our religious laws, we will dominate you. And don't believe for just a second that uh, moderate Islam in the West is, uh, is just a gentle version of what they believe. They are after our soul. Jihad is not simply overcoming adversity. It is designed by, if you read the Quran, and I, I, I encourage you to read the Bible, but if you understand the Quran, jihad is this, this eternal war that they have against Christians, America, and Jews. They want to eradicate and exterminate those that oppose their way of doctrine and belief. But let me encourage you, in spite of these excuses about church attendance, I don't trust preachers. I've been hurt at church. I'm disillusioned. The culture wars are telling me that it's okay to believe a different brand of, of Christianity or different, other than what the Bible teaches. There are so many traditions now in America that used to be faithful to the word. Episcopalian, Methodist, Lutheran that are now having teachers and preachers, preachers, that are either homosexual or they're uh, those that have a lifestyle that's counter to the Word of God. And we're, there's a growing disillusion in our culture and a growing dis- dissatisfaction with those that are preaching. They're not preaching the Word anymore, their opinions, and a growing deception. Make no mistake, though, that the Bible says, I, the Lord speaking, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. There is a true church, and it is growing according to God's design and plan. And isn't it good to know that as true believers, we're on the winning side. I will build my church. Church is still God's plan for this day. He's what He's doing. I love the desire of David in the Psalms. He says this, how lovely, Psalm 84, how lovely is thy tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth Yea, fainteth for the courts of the Lord, my heart and flesh cry out for the living God. I hope when you get up on Sunday morning, there's a thirst in your heart, a spring in your step to go to church because not only is it a discipline of a godly life and imperative that we obey Christ in our church attendance, but it is the heart cry. I want to be around God's people. I want to be around God's preachers. I want to be around God's teachers. I want to be around God's word. You know why I love the church? Because when I get here, I am encouraged and exhorted. I am brought into account when I stray. I want people to look me in the eye when I'm sinning and say, hey, you can do better than that. Stop it. Because there's an account day. There's a finish line coming and we'll stand before the Lord and the church is called. There's the warmth of the body. There's the accountability of the body. There's the encouragement of the body. That's our ministry one to another. We reflect the love of our uh, heavenly bride, our heavenly groom to us. And we are to reflect as the bride the love for our heavenly groom. This is a special place. I hope you love the church. Well, Paul did, and I will quickly give you three reasons why he did. First of all, he says it's, a, it's an unveiling. Of, and I've mentioned this already, a great mystery. I don't know how many of you love great mysteries, but three times in the text we see Paul using this word mystery. Verse 3 of chapter 3, he says, uh, He made known to us the mystery. This is, 
very new when Paul was writing Ephesians, um, this wonderful book to the, the, the folks there in Ephesus. He says, this, this is why I'm so excited. God is, is you know, in, the, in the Old Testament paradigm, you had to go if you wanted to know God. Of course, there's the, there's the handwriting of God in the heavens. We know that and the conscience of our soul and our mind. But if you really wanted to know God, you had to travel to Jerusalem. You had to inquire there. You had to become a proselyte to, the, to that system. Be grafted in that way. And even as a Gentile, you could not approach as far as you could get, of course, as the door. And you had to present a lamb or a blood sacrifice through that one gate. And the priest had to attend that situation. And no one could go to the Holy of Holies except one man once a year. And, and now he's saying, I'm so excited God is through the church, revealing the grace of God through the gospel to any man who, who will listen and hear. That's the mystery. This doesn't mean something that's hard to solve. It's something that's been hidden in the past, now revealed. What a great day it was. Paul said, when you read this, understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, the church, is being revealed. I love Mysteries, we all like to reveal a great mystery, don't we? Somebody's getting married, someone's having a baby, someone's having a surprise promotion, and now I guess these baby reveals are so exciting, amen? We, uh, we like to know about these things, but here's a mystery above all other mysteries that God is including everyone in this wonderful plan. He always loved the world, but now He's becoming more and more accessible to you through the ministry of the church. And Paul loved his job to reveal this mystery. A great mystery is unveiled, a wonderful word of welcome. And Paul says, I am Christ's prisoner, a bond slave, verse 1, and I've been given the immense job of delivering a key to the Gentiles that opens the very heart of God to unveil the mystery of grace. This was not Paul's own cause. This was Christ's heart for this cause, God's Wonderful revelation of the church. I am engaged in ministry. And I'm thankful that the Lord called my parents out of an Oklahoma farm to go to the Amazon where many people heard for the first time the glories of God. We have a missionary by the name of Laverne Waugh. I shared this on Wednesday night. There are folks uh, that came for the Bible study. But Laverne wrote a no. She was here a few days ago. She ministers in Zimbabwe, and she said, "This uh, work of God through the church is amazing. It's continuing. It's growing. It's flourishing. We see it all over the world. In the 70s, it was largely seen in South America. 80s, it moved kind of around the world. We see it blossom and grow in Africa. And now, the 1040 window, in spite of Islamic persecution, we're seeing." This wonderful move of the church as it spreads even in the face of persecution. She said this. She ministers in Zimbabwe where 95% of the people are unemployed and they're just living from their garden hand to mouth. She says this is what happened. She said we had a deacon that struggled to find work and he left one of our churches, five churches she's working with. He left and he, he had to go 45 minutes away. And there, and there he found a job in one of the mines uh, there and he he decided to start sharing the gospel where he was as we should do, and and he called for us. She said he called for some pastor to come and preach to the group of friends that he's witnessing to, 
And so they got in their car, broke down, broke down, broke down. It took them seven hours. They were seven hours late to get there. But every one of his friends was still waiting. 123 people were waiting for seven hours to hear the gospel. Fifteen got saved. And now there's a church planted because it's moving. God's gospel is moving on the wings of those who are obedient and faithful. A mystery. Paul says, I I love to unveil this great mystery in the past hidden, now revealed. The church, God's powerful uh, means, His body, the living body of Christ is the very means by which the gospel goes to the world. Secondly, he says this, not only am I excited about the church because it's a great former mystery unveiled now to the world. And we get, we get used to it, right? We first came to this area 10 years ago. We passed church after church after church just to get to this church. So are we church saturated? I hope not. Church is a great thing. We ought to be involved in planting new churches as well. But secondly, he says it, it, it involves a great mercy. It involves a great Mercy. Look at chapter 2 of Ephesians. I know you've come to appreciate and love this text. I love it as well. Chapter 2 of Ephesians at verse 1. I marked over this verse. I was dead in sins. And you hath he quickened, that means made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's your former life outside of Christ. Where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, the spirit that thou worketh in the children of disobedience. Not only was I dead, I was disobedient. Among whom we all had our conversation or lifestyle in times past in the lust of our flesh, doing what we wanted to do, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind. We were captive to our sinful nature. We were by nature the children of wrath upon which God had condemned us to die, spend eternity in hell, even as others. So here we are, we're dead, we're disobedient, and we're doomed. But don't you like verse 4? But God, amen, but God who is what? Rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. Not only were you dead as a Gentile outside of the family of God, outside of the family of covenants made to the Jew, we were disobedient, we were darkened in our culture, we were doomed to die and spend eternity in hell, but then the mercy of God. And Paul says, I love being a mercy teller. I love being the one who reaches out to lost sinners who are groping in darkness, no hope for tomorrow, without God in the world, dead in their trespasses and sins, and letting them know the good news that Christ came, died for you to... Calvary's cross, not far away in Jerusalem. He rose again from the dead, and he he offers life to you. Do you remember we, in our new little Sunday school class for new church members, we just went around the circle. Do you remember where you were when you got saved and Christ gave you a new nature? What a message. How privileged we are to share that with others. Paul said, I am... I'm so thankful for the church because it promotes a great, great mercy. Remember that sign around the temple court? No Gentile may enter within this barricade. Anyone so doing will have only himself to blame for his ensuing death. But no, 
No, no, the message of the cross is whosoever will may come. You come. You don't have to have the intervention or the, the mediation of a priest. You come to Christ. Maybe there's someone here this morning and you're not sure that you're part of the family of God. You've been wondering, what do I need to do to get saved? That's the same question the Philippian jailer asked. What do I need to do? Do I need to go to church? Do I need to sign a card? Do I do a pledge? Do I have to do the sacraments? I don't seem to be able to clean the inside of my heart up. What do I have to do to be right with God? Do I have to be more religious? Do I have to clean up my life? Drop a habit? What do I have to do? And Paul is saying, no, you have to understand, it's already done on a cruel cross. Christ did it all. It is finished. Redemption's price is paid. What you do is come and trust Him and His finished work. He's done it all. He's paid the penalty. Now the mercy of God can be applied to your life. Come without money. Come without any qualifications other than that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. It unveils a great mystery. It unleashes a great mercy. You were dead. You were doomed. You were disobedient. But Christ was rich in mercy. When you were dead in your sins, verse 5, chapter 2, He made you alive together with Christ. By grace, you're saved. And then Paul says this, He says, because it provides a great opportunity for ministry. In fact, the whole uh, end of chapter chapter 3, 14, all the way into chapter 4, he says, once you know what Christ has done for you, how far he's come to deliver you, what he's done on the cross for you, this great mercy ought to compel you, chapter 4, because of this great mercy, I therefore, the prisoner, I'm locked up in this jail in Rome, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you that you walk, you minister within the church because you're saved. And the whole end of chapter 3, excuse me, 4, 5, and 6 is all about how we are to minister to one another because of the mercy of God that has been showered deeply upon us. I am so glad That God had the idea of, and it's His idea and cause to implement the church in this day and age. I'm so glad that I heard the good news. And what a joy now to spend the rest of my life living a thank you life for Him. And so Paul is thankful for the church. Tonight I'm going to ask you the question, why do you love the church? How has it impacted you? And what are you doing because of God's mercy, the mystery unveiled the church and mercy in your life? How have you, how have you used your gift for the cause of Christ? Because one day it's not going to be about your salary or job. It's going to be about what did you do as a member of the living church of Christ? I see him in jail with his face pressed against that window if there was one sometimes in the dungeon there wasn't it was just perhaps a candle and darkness but he says I bow my knees and I'm so thankful for the church and I'm writing letters not to grandma to get the recipe for some kind of pumpkin bread I'm I'm writing these epistles for the advancement of the church I love the church for this cause 
I bow my knee. Have you prayed? Have you prayed about the advancement of this local church? Have you? Have you been engaged in the ministry here? Are you tied in? Are you a spectator in the great cause of the church? Just a couple questions as we end when planning your week. Where does the priority of the church fit in to your schedule? Is it more important than fun, family, hobbies, or work? It's what God is doing in the world today. When planning where to move, if you're going to move to a different place, how important is it that your job be located by a good church? Do you ask the question, first of all, if I move there, I wonder, is there a good local church that I can tie into? To what extent are you involved now in your church ministry by prayer, faithful attendance, encouragement, counsel, teaching, admonishing, giving, outreach, even starting another church, planting a church? God wants us to be reproducing ourselves. Are you just settled for, kind of checking the box? Or is there this passion that you have for the cause of Christ? Paul says, I don't drift my way through life. I don't fight as one that beateth the air. He says, I press. I press for the mark, the well done of Christ. And then, who have you invited to church, brought to church, or brought back to church? There's a lot of our friends, perhaps, that have just sidelined themselves. They've been hurt. They've given up. They won't go to church. Why? There's hypocrites there, but they'll go to Walmart. We need to be always inviting folks to resolve issues Come back to church. Love the church again. And then would you, like Christ, live and die for the church? Ephesians chapter 2. Christ loved us and gave himself for us. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you.